0: This is Talk Is Sheep, a podcast by the Wild Sheep Society of British Columbia. Come along as we take conversations that matter to you into the high alpine. Steven. Once or twice in the last, what, holy shit, 46 years now. Yeah, more than once or twice.
1: Episode 100.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Who would have thought this would have happened two years ago when we rolled this out, give or take somewhere in there, but wow,
1: what an episode. What an episode. Um, You know, like you said, we've been talking about this a long time. Um, You know, what are we doing for 100? What are you doing for 100? And Mm -hmm. you're like, let's get the Shockey family on. I'm like, yeah, right. Like, (laughs) um, and that said, Jim's been on the cast before. Brandalyn's been on the cast before. Um, very generous with their time. Great supporter of the society. One campfire we can't thank the chalky, the well Jim and Brandlin specifically for what they've done to date, and then for this all to come together is phenomenal.
0: Oh yeah, like like you touched on, wrote right about episode fifty when we realized this was going somewhere. It was okay. Who can we get on for one hundred? And I said, well, let's yeah, as you said, let's do the chalkies, and we didn't think it would work. And holy crap, we managed to get all four for a real brief time.
1: well, they're you know, they're incredibly busy, uh, you know, they're yeah. um Jim with all his stuff. uh, Louise is busy. um of course, uh, we don't need to say with, with uh, even Branlin, they've got their brands. they're so busy doing different things, and mm-hmm. um you know, i we reached out to Jim and said, "What do you think, Jim? And he's like, yeah, but he goes. I don't think it'll work. That's what he said. He goes, I'm happy to do it, but he goes, I'm not going to try and quarterback Brandlin and Eva. They're super busy in their own personal lives. And he goes, if you can put it together, I'm there. But, uh, and I thought, Oh, okay, here we go. And uh, So, you know, a Testament to the Shockey family, you know, they, yeah. you know, you'll hear me talk about on the podcast, they've done so much for our hunt space, just not around, the community and the messaging, and you know the sort of getting people on board for the acceptance of hunting, but you know just their donations and their generosity. You know, you look at the uh, the, the personal um, support they they lend to different hunting you know uh, things that are important to them. Jim SCI obviously a huge supporter, but he's been a huge supporter of the Wild Sheep Society of BC. Twenty twenty, he was our keynote speaker. Um, he, he agreed to come up and he was going to volunteer his time to, to spend with us. And, uh, and then of course, you know, the show got shut down, unfortunately, but, uh, incredible support from the Shockey family and, and man, what a great podcast that just, it was so much fun to hear them laughing and bantering back and forth and yeah.
0: Great. And being, being a family, right. There was, there was no, there was no act put on (laughs) just the the, the barbs that were thrown back and forth. And I absolutely loved the the special guest that kind of poked her head around and waved. And even and I both went, what? And then she came up and we, we got 15, 20 seconds of nano easy, which I, I think just
1: set it off. It couldn't have been any better. Yeah, absolutely. So you guys are going to enjoy this one, you know, to our listeners. Uh, thank you. Thank you for the support. Um, you know, when we started out with Talk is Sheep, we we didn't really have much of a vision. We knew we wanted to to bring our membership more, uh, more content, more information, um, share our messaging around what we do as a conservation organization, um, the different initiatives we support, like One Campfire. And um, that's all we had in mind. And due to the support from our listeners and from you, um, this has really, uh we, we, we can't thank you enough. If you weren't listening, we couldn't be here doing our thing. So thank you. Yeah.
0: Best thing you can do is hit that uh, subscribe button, that follow button, and keep sharing. And we can keep putting out uh, episodes uh, that you want to hear. So
1: yeah, good time, buddy. Now we'll have we to go. start planning for 200 now. So Oh, awesome. man. <laughs> thank you, everyone. So with that, um, enjoy this podcast. It's episode 100. We've got Jim... Louise, Eva, and Branlin, Shockey on Talk of Sheep. Enjoy.
2: Across Canada and throughout the world, if you come across a campfire in the woods, on a mountaintop, or next to a river, you'll find warm company and friendly people gathered around. Regardless of your lifestyle or place you call home, we invite you to learn more about what it means to be a hunter in the modern era. If you love the outdoors, care about where your food comes from, and are concerned for the future of wildlife and the environments that they need to survive, Pull up a seat. We have a story to tell. Welcome to our campfire. Look at Evie.
3: Your background looks like you're living inside a hard-boiled egg. There. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's the only way that you can't hear kids if I'm in this little tiny closet.
3: <laughs> yeah. This is. You can see the diff, why Evie likes to live like minimalist after living right here. That was her bedroom right over there. So she
2: that gives me so much anxiety looking at all the stuff.
1: <laughs> <laughs> kind of looks like the new house, hey Eva. <laughs> yeah.
2: Whenever he comes to my house, my dad's like, what are you gonna do with all these walls? I'm like, nothing. They're they're just walls. <laughs> like, it's exactly. nice to actually see exactly. the wall after You
3: walk in there and you say, hello, 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 <laughs> awesome. hello. Echoey, echoey. Oh my gosh
1: awesome well thank you guys for coming on the show um i know you guys are really on a limited time as the shocky family tends to be so
3: oh i was going to uh, tell you that too i have an hour i don't like eva is
1: the one that has half an hour i'm the one that. I has, have, yeah i
2: have about 45 yeah. minutes but
1: okay fantastic we'll make the best of it but uh when you need to drop off just drop off and uh we'll keep chatting and then when you guys get sick of us and we run out of shockies then we'll end the podcast so uh anyway <laughs> <laughs> awesome well hey let's kick things off uh, Jim with you and, you know, you've, you, you look back, we've talked on the podcast before about your humble beginnings in Saskatoon and the trailer park, and you've created this legacy. Um, you know, as a young man, did you ever envision that, you know, you'd be where you are today and you've got this amazing family and and what they're doing in the outdoor space and the hunt world. Can you talk a little bit about your legacy?
3: (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm probably not the best one to ask about that, but, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I I'm a, a fairly um, organized, focused person. So yeah, I, I envisioned this long time ago. I envisioned having two boys, not a girl and a boy, but that was, yeah, that was out of my hands, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, but, but everything else. Yeah, no, pretty, uh, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I don't live in the past. That's why it's hard for me to talk about legacy. I, I live for like right now, decision-making for the future. So, and I've always done that right from when I was 10 years of age, when I envisioned the museum. Um, so, so yeah, I, I mean, I worked at that and I worked 20 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year for, for that, uh, to be right here right now, um, in, in this place. So, so I mean, (laughs) yeah, it wasn't, I, I don't know. Maybe it was luck. Maybe it was serendipity, but, uh, I you know I think if you what I say to people is if you drive a car for half a century in one direction and don't take any side roads you end up somewhere, and and this is where I've ended up and and people that started off the same goal same ideas, um, you know same dreams they they took side roads and and uh, I'm kind of the last one left standing in this in this bunch so so yeah I, I, it was it was a pretty orchestrated. Uh, you know, the decisions I made along the way were to, you know, make sure that uh, Louise and I ended up right where we are right now.
1: Well, congratulations. You've done a, a darn good job. And it, so now, you know, we talked to Branlin. we talked to you about your, you know, your journey and your path and where it's taken you and Eva too, you got started a little bit late in the outdoor world. You, you know, you had, um, you know, you kind of showed up at 20 with force. So, you know, Maybe let's talk about, you know, your upbringing, and Eva, either one of you can jump into this on, on how you were raised in, in this space and then how your journey led you, you know, and now you're headed down that sort of same path and in your own different um, channels as well. So um, let's kick that off with the the two of you about how, what you know, how you kind of got on this path and and um, if you envisioned yourself maybe as a young person going a different direction. Go ahead,
2: um, I I a hundred percent envisioned myself not going this direction. <laughs> like you could have paid me five million dollars and could pay anyone that knew me five million dollars and no one would have ever directed me where I am right now, which is kind of what I pride myself on because I like just mixing things up and keeping people guessing. Um but my mom, I don't know if you know the background of my mom, she was like a vegetarian ballerina model dancer actress, and then obviously you know my dad. And so I grew up this combination of the two and I really am a pretty good mix of the two. So I just happened to grow up in my younger years doing more of like the dancing and that kind of stuff than the outdoor stuff and like the actual hunting. I mean, our family did a lot of outdoors, outdoor activities, but when I went to university, it was the first time cool. that I had to buy meat for myself. And I remember standing at the meat counter and had never bought steak because we only ever had wild game. And so I thought that was so weird and and also very expensive. And I thought it was weird that you just buy an animal. You don't know where it came from. And so I graduated and ended up coming back to my dad after he had asked me my whole life basically. And I asked him if he would take me hunting. And I, at the time I kind of did it because I was about to sort of decide what I wanted to do for my career after college, when I had a marketing business marketing degree. And I thought I loved the outdoor industry, but I wasn't a hunter. So I didn't really know how I could fit into that industry. I thought I would be more of like the marketing side of stuff. And when I started hunting with him, I quickly realized how, like why he loved it and the adventure and the challenge and the fresh air. And then obviously the wild game, hopefully at the end. And so I started at 20, 2021, traveling a ton with my dad and then eventually doing a little of his show without him and with some other people from our team. Um, and it was just amazing and fun. And you can see why people fall in love with it. And it was really nice to have a chance. I don't know that I did it intentionally, or he really did intentionally either for me that there was just sort of a role that I filled that people wanted to see of someone that didn't know what they were doing, like a female that didn't know what they were doing, but also trying it. And that was I still am like that. I'm like, I ask a million questions, half the time I'm not quite sure what's going on, but I'm out there and I'm enjoying it. And ultimately, I think that was the message that a lot, a lot of people were waiting for. So that just took me to where I am now. Can I <laughs> yes. Here,
3: like yes. Her, her role, suddenly within about six months, she was co-host on Jim Shockey's <laughs> anime adventures. So, <laughs> oh, there, was,
2: there was actually, a, wasn't it a poster or I used to do events and one of them, My title was Eva Shockey, and it said "Outdoor Expert" underneath it. And I was like 23. My dad's like, "What?"
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm definitely one of those people that would have bet the five million dollars that Eva was not going into the hunting industry (laughs) back in those days.
1: Um, uh Brantlyn, let's uh, jump into it with you sort of your journey and you know um you're firmly entrenched in the in the outdoor space now but I know you you looked at different options and different you know different thoughts so how did you get to where you are today on on that regard
4: Yeah yeah definitely um well you know I and I think I talked about this in the in the podcast we did a little bit but yeah it's just it's so hard not to you know take for granted my upbringing cuz you know even at a very young age dad was taking me out fishing and I had my little pellet gun that I'd go and walk around in our land and, and hunt all the time. Um, and so, yeah, just like Eva, you know, at the very young age, I was really like, you know, part of a hunting family and I didn't even really think twice about it. Um, and that goes for, you know, eating wild game all the time. Uh, I particularly remember us eating fish like all the time in the winter and I guess, you know, and now, you know, me having kids now and, and knowing what we eat and going to the store and stuff, I realized that's a little bit you know strange not many people have like a freezer full of fish we can just go and you know grab anytime we want and go out on a boat you know anytime we want and bring back uh you know fresh wild meat so I uh definitely took that for granted a little bit growing up and then around uh you know university ish, you know late high school um I yeah I kind of you know started looking at different options. This is about the same time that Eva was starting to come like you know sort of back into the fray a little bit. I was, uh, you know, thinking I was going to go, you know, I don't know, do something in finance, to be an entrepreneur, do something in in business, and uh, but then, you know, talking with Dad, we we started talking about that that professionals uh, series, and so I found that even, you know, even if if my sort of, um, you know, my dream wasn't to be like you know the ultimate hunter that travels around the world, that wasn't my my main passion. I found, you know, film to be a a passion, storytelling to be a passion that fit really nicely in with what, you know, dad's vision was at the time for, for that series. So, so that's kind of how I fell into that. And I found that, Hey, I can go out, you know, I can, I can do the hunting thing. I can travel. I can, I can have these amazing experiences with the camera in my hand instead.
3: Um, Can I interfere here again?
4: Dad's vision for the professionals.
3: Brandlin came to me and said, I can make your show way better. (laughs) (laughs) You've never, <laughs> had, you which even, he
2: did,
4: yeah, I, yeah. and <laughs> unfortunately, I didn't do that with Eva's. So, I think are they still are our, our lowest rated TV episodes. One's the Eva's, isn't that <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, either,
3: either, either, either Outdoor Family, I think it was, yeah, I don't think they've ever, anyone's ever lower than that, but uh, that's they, okay. They with, offered, you know. they offered
2: a, a second season, but they said we had to find a new production crew, and I was like, no, oh. I'm loyal to my family.
3: Yeah, I think we're still paying them royalties not to air that show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so on that vein, let's talk a little bit. You know, you mentioned the ultimate hunter brandland. And you know, we've seen an evolution. Like Jim, you watch your early stuff and it's evolved with time. Um, you know, you've you've created your craft and evolved with time. And, you know, one thing about, you know, we look at the early uh evolution tv and we've talked to jim and and Brandland about this before about you know the whack-em stack stuff that you know used to be on tv and the evolution of of what's out there now and you look at your brand eva you know it's you know i guess steeped in the you know outdoor space but you know connection to family and um it's much bigger it's much beyond you know the outdoor space so can you guys talk a little bit about that evolution about your messaging and how that works and you know, I each of you guys have your individual brands, even though it's, you know, it has a main theme, but um, maybe talk a little bit about that evolution, Jim, and how, you know, how it's changed over the years for you and in, in the work that you do. Sure. Well,
3: I mean, I, I can certainly speak to the dinosaur age and then let the kids take it from there. But, uh, you know, at, at the beginning, we, we didn't, there was no video, there was no TV shows. But the cable networks were coming on stream, hundreds of them, and they needed content, and and it, 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 nobody really knew how to tell the hunting story in those days. So they, they there was no professionals, there was no uh, no one had experience in it. So so with basically seventeen minutes of a thirty minute television show, the guys focused on what hunters understand, which is the final stock, the final you know the the, the kill. Uh, and, and we didn't, uh, there, there was no one had gone to film school in those days. So, so it was always, you know, camera on a tripod, there's the animal cut back to a studio somewhere like this and say, I knew if I walked over this hill, there would be a buck. And and then they'd come back to the field and there's the buck. Like the storytelling was, uh, uh, I mean, it was nascent. It was just starting. We didn't understand it. Now I, I was fortunate because I came in from the writing side of things i was an author i was a writer right
2: there's nana it's what there's nana hi nana, nana, nana still <laughs> sure. oh
1: we do get louise on
2: awesome
1: nana nana
2: nana, <laughs> nana. Oh,
1: this is our vision thank you louise
2: oh my awesome. pleasure thank you for keeping these guys entertained and
3: <laughs> <on their toes. laughs> of our universe this mm-hmm. is we all revolve around mm-hmm. Nae so yeah, yeah it's um, true
2: aw.
1: this so, is awesome
2: I just wanted to say hello guys
1: thank you so much you. Louise
2: <laughs> have fun and and see you see you later okay tt hi, hi brand hi hi
4: guys <laughs> oh okay. amazing, amazing. Bye,
1: love, you, Nana. love you Nana thank love you for- Louise
2: I' leave the most, Nana
1: that, I think we could just I end love, the show right there. I
2: love you the most. I said.
3: <laughs> That's okay. Nana loves me the most. That's what. Counts. <laughs> but, oh, that was that was so sweet. Uh, that was awesome. But mm-hmm. Yeah, I came from a writing background, so I was writing for magazines. Published my first article in 1984. Kathleen Windsor, wherever you are, thank you for buying it. Forty-two dollars. I was so excited. Bowbender Magazine, out of Alberta. So, so I had a background, I I mean, I probably had published 500 articles by then a background of storytelling and not how to, I hated how to stuff. So I was more adventurous. So, so it wasn't that big a deal for when we got a video camera to just start telling the same type of story with, with visuals instead of, uh, you know, typing it out. So, so that was the start of it where, where I think we, uh, move the goalposts a little bit with our first hunting adventures over the shoulder, you know, raw footage, bring the hunter with us. Don't ever do cutaways back to a studio. You know, I knew there'd be a big buck if I walked over the store, you know, like it, it, we did that at that time. And then, you know, so like I say, that was the dinosaur era. And then along came Brandlin and, and uh, you know, said, I can make your show better, which by the way, when he said that we just won, best overall production for the world for the outdoor channel down the states i had the big trophy i walked everywhere got a chain for around my neck so i could hold it there and he walked up and said he could he could make our shows better so so you know from that point you know over to Brandon because that was his vision the professionals and
4: where everything went from there okay i never said i never walked up to you and said i can make your series better I think I was and you if did, I did I was too. Lying he, to
3: my teeth. This is this is how I took it anyway, because I was <gasps> kind of proud of my show and I was
4: like, Really? Really, kid? <laughs> I think you asked me why don't you watch my hunting show? And I think I said something like because <laughs> I don't think I said it's it's boring or anything like that, but I think I I think I said I just had other preferences for, for how to spend my time. Yeah. Uh okay, so and again we talked about this, I think on the on the podcast I did, but the uh you know storytelling really is and no matter what it is it can be hunting it can be uh you know lifestyle stuff it can be actual movies um you know people like i think joan didion said that's you know, we tell ourselves story and stories in order to live like we really do um you know everybody does and i you know again I, I and this was actually this really was serendipity i didn't have a plan for this but coming into the outdoor space um dad's right a lot of the hunting shows were you know, like hey my name's Joe. Welcome to the white stand, the you know, white tail stand that we're hunting today. And you know, they do 17 minutes of uh, you know, of stalking and, and kill shots, and and that honestly uh, just didn't interest me. Um, and even beyond that, I don't know that I could have made a show that would have been you know as like a, as good of a straight up hunting show as what was around them because it just wasn't my interest. Uh, so I had to do, and I was kind of stuck with this. Like I had to make something that I thought I would want to watch, um, you know, within the confines of the footage that we could get at the time. And so that that's what I tried to do. And that was, like like Dad said, I was trying to tell stories that weren't just about the hunt. and and also, I saw Dad, and I still see this. I saw Dad as someone that wasn't just a straight up hunter. He's not, you know, that was never how he talked. Uh, you know, anytime we would talk about hunting, it would always be, about far more than, than just what the the kill was. And that was never a a big part of it. So I tried to, you know, so my understanding of hunting really was what you know I tried to translate on the screen, which was that it's about adventure and it's about friendships and it's about uh, learning and exploring. And, and, you know, so in terms of what your original question was, which is brand from professionals to uncharted to any series we do, you know, I always try and pay very close attention to, the story we're telling and the people involved in the story. um, And are we showing uh, those two things in the very best light that we can? Because ultimately you're taking hours and hours and hours of content and you're distilling it down to an essential 17 minutes or 33 minutes, whatever it is. Um, And you have to be careful because you can, you can, and actually this happened in the professionals. Sometimes you make mistakes on brand. And I think that, uh, you know, if you miscut something or edit something in a way that, uh you know it's too harsh people watching or listening they can they can react to that because they don't have the full picture and and i think what we did some episode of professionals dad where remember you were talking with matt gibson i think matt gibson, matt gibson was a cameraman and you were kind of reprimanding him a little bit and I, and i think when we showed that episode we got some negative feedback saying that you were too harsh
3: yeah, what what yeah. just so the world knows brand uh you know i am harsh i'm i'm focused on, on a goal and, and uh, you know, in the heat of battle, figuratively speaking, um, you know, there, there's times where I certainly wasn't, you know, the perfect model for the brand. And, and brand would, you know, he, he watched over that carefully. I mean, he, he was essentially, you know, a shepherd uh, on the whole thing. So, so that, you know, that, and I'm not, like I guess I've never told anybody I'm perfect, but, uh, but yeah, you know, I remember that with brand, with Maddie. And, and it looked like I was beating up on them. And, you know, so, so, and that's not, that's not what we, we actually do. And it's kind no. of what a context because we're men and we're out there, we're doing our, our thing. And it's, we all know, I mean, you're, you're comrades in arms again, figuratively speaking. So, so, you know, Brandon was very sensitive about that always has been uh, higher sensibilities that sometimes for me focused on this goal, um, you know, you have to be harder. You just have to be harder. I mean, uh, and, uh, Bran was very careful about that, how we, how we presented it and, and slowly, but surely the messaging became more, I, I mean, he, he truly got to the essence of what you know, I believe hunting is about, um, with, with the way he told the stories and, and, and the, the edits that he did super important, uh, to distill it down to that essence of, of what, we are who we are as hunters and what hunting is um yeah i, I mean it was like i say thank goodness for for ben because I, i'm just a harder person and you'll notice all through this that evie really didn't have much of a say in any of this i know told, you're uh, making monster. fun of me but i was about to also just type up and say
2: Since I don't have a lot of skills, I rely very heavily on my personality, (laughs) which has done just fine. (laughs) Somehow created a career on that. But I mean, it's interesting. Obviously, I grew up in the world they're talking, but I grew up kind of in, you know, my dad had cameras on every family trip we pretty much ever went on even way before I was a hunter um, and I really didn't like it for quite a while but then you got you got used to it it was just part of our lives and the storytelling aspect which again my dad started and my brother obviously picked up and did a lot better with that even has grown into what would now I mean I know it's nothing compared to what they do and what like the production companies do but the social media world now is storytelling it started out more just sharing posts out whatever high school event you were at but now it's actually I mean they force you to do video they force you to do reels and I giggle to myself I'm on my phone editing these reels which I don't really like doing necessarily and I'm thinking like oh my gosh my brother would be so embarrassed if he saw this and like making transitions with like on the wrong moments <laughs> like I don't have the, I don't have the skills. but it is it's about the even my little short things that I have to create now like it's about telling some kind of story and like you mentioned it's more for me um about the lifestyle of it the family I mean I'm surrounded that's where I'm at right now is I have the two little kids so that's just what my life actually is but creating the storyline that other people can relate to that you say this is what we're doing this is what we love doing I believe it's a good thing where we love our family we love the outdoors we love XYZ, let's share about that. And it gets that story out to people. And that's why they come back and they want to watch more and they want to keep up with you. So it's a very small version of the TV production. But at the same time, it's, I mean, arguably, the direction stuff's going where we just need more skill. Like We need their skill doing what I'm doing. And I feel like... (laughs) We could make it, make it all happen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's working for everybody. We
2: have discussed
0: before that the the story's the biggest part of it. it it's it's easy to take cool dramatic photos with, with with a dead animal, but telling that story to get there uh, and making somebody feel an emotion that that's the hook to me. And you guys nail it.
3: All Someone of including Eva. <laughs> I,
0: I, I just encompass guys. Yeah. yeah, so hey, she's just
1: going to gonna throw it in with <laughs> Brandon. I get
0: it. <laughs> I, I watch your Instagram.
1: Eva, let's let's talk a little bit about gender roles and about, so, you know, you, you came on very early as a woman in the outdoors. Um, you know, now it's, you know, there's tons of influencers and tons of TV personalities. But at the time, you were kind of setting oh. a trend. And, you know, your dad just talked about, envisioning two boys and, and talked about, uh, you know, men in the field and, um, and, and then you come on the scene and, um, uh, can you talk a little bit about, you know, the gender roles and, and what that was like growing up in a, and that's the thing you look at Jim, you look at branlin you look at this hardened hunter and this grizzled outdoorsman with his cowboy hat and his beard. And, um, and then you come on the scene and it's a completely different, um, different feel. So can you talk about gender roles and, and, You know, do you feel that that's changed for women in the hunt space? Because we've, you know, we've seen now it's, there's a lot of people entering that space, a lot of women. So chat on that a little bit for us.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we grew up, growing up with my dad and going to all the events and SHOT Show and SCI, Brian and I were. I don't think there used to be an age limit on some of those shows, whereas they are like 16 now, I think. And we used to run around when we were five, six, seven at show, show and all the events. And that's just what we were used to. But I vividly recall in my younger years, I would go with our family. And me and my mom would kind of hang out with my brother and my dad would be in the hunting meetings and everything. And I remember thinking there was basically no women at those shows like basically and if they were they were what what we kind of call trophy wives like the beautiful wives that like they're not there to hunt they're there to whatever just look at cool stuff and jewelry um but there were just not a lot of women that showed up for that type of thing and when i started in the hunting industry by no means was i the first that was doing that i mean tiffany lakoski and vicky and Brenda and all kinds of women were already incredible and they were very educated and knowledgeable about the hunting space. I was the opposite of that. I was coming in new to it, wanting to learn it. Um, And so I think between their personalities and how they could teach women and be examples for women. And then with mine, who, you know, sort of different women that didn't really have a lot of experience in the world, it worked out quite well where there was a lot of different personalities covered. A lot of um, there was like age gap covered. There was different skills set whitetail, mule deer, whatever everyone hunted. And once we got into that, after a few years, social media started up a lot heavier. And I think that's when it really took a turn because it was so accessible to everybody. So you didn't have to have cable. You didn't have to watch Outdoor Channel. You could go onto Facebook, which at the time was what really started in earlier than Instagram, by quite a bit. And you could just go access our pages and see what we were doing that week and see what we were hunting. And you could message us. And back then, I just feel like it was a lot, there was so much more simple on social media. You could message and you would talk right back and it would just be like your friends. And that is where I saw it make a huge shift. And then people could share. They didn't have to have a hunting show as a female to share that they were hunters. And that at the time was kind of really the only way other than word of mouth to show that you were into the hunting space. And so a lot more women, I think got the guts up to share it, to talk about it. And once one does, it was amazing. Even when I got into it, people from when I grew up were coming to me out of the woodwork saying, Oh, we hunt too. And I knew them my whole life and no one talked about it. And it was just this thing. It was almost like a taboo where I'm from for women to hunt. And now I think it's very accepted. I think, um, it always it was intimidating at the beginning because of the lack of female <laughs> representatives in the hunting industry but i will also say that going in as a female i rarely felt like anyone didn't want me there or was judging me or i mean and if they were it was just because they thought i was coming in as jim's daughter and most often i could i mean i love being there there was not a time i would not sit in camp and complain or whine or whatever like i love being in camp and i really truly wanted to learn and i think Anyone that thought they were going to judge me a certain way, by the end of the trip, they would realize that I was just there because I enjoyed it. And um, their preconceived notions were generally wrong, (laughs) hopefully. I mean, I'm pretty sure most people. Uh, But, yeah, it was a very welcoming industry. And that's what's been really fun about as I've now, I'm 34 and I started at 20-ish. And so the amount of people that come up to me and they're like, "We, you know, we were five when we started following you. And now they're like a grown up. It's making me feel very old, but also I remember my dad saying the same thing. And so I guess that's just, I'm like one of the older girls in the hunting industry now, but yeah, it's, um, it's pretty cool how it's changed so much and the women are so much more involved and really legitimate hunters and cool being able to watch some of those experiences.
0: Yeah. You were only the, what was it? The the second woman ever photographed for the cover of field and stream.
2: Yes. Next to queen Elizabeth. (laughs) Exactly.
4: I normally, uh, I normally, when I see your Instagram stuff, I just usually like swipe right by it. So, do you still do you still post like hunting style stuff? No, oh,
2: she's oh, on Instagram. I didn't know that. Yeah.
4: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> Funny that you guys should ask because I'm actually going. I was shooting my bow this morning at seven. I'm going on a mule deer hunt on Friday, which my dad doesn't even know about. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm I call it my coming out of retirement archery hunt. <laughs>
3: Um, better somebody could send her some pictures of a white tail and a mule deer so <laughs> just in ca- I mean I don't know where you're hunting but just in case
2: Colorado I told deer. I'm going on this hunt and I people I'm going with I called them and I've been hunting a few times in the last year but like I have a three and a five-year-old so I'm just it's just not been the years to go on hunts for the last little while and I told my friend who I'm going hunting but I said I'm so excited about this but just so you know, like this is my coming out of retirement hunt. <laughs> I have been mom zone for the last five years. Like, don't act like I'm gonna be the girl that you knew six years ago that kind of knew what she was doing. Like, there might be some dumb things that happen, but I'm everyone. I'm back to the original person that I started in the industry of like not really having any idea how to do anything.
3: I think it's a good thing Tim got an elk this year. Otherwise, you guys are gonna be eating macaroni. I
2: know he oh. did. <laughs> i know he got a nice elk two days ago first elk
1: hunt that is well ever elk and first with a bow too which is pretty cool that's awesome uh so let's talk a little bit about, you mentioned kids eva and and uh, branlin let's talk a little bit about that next generation and so you know jim early on you you know you had involved the grand your your, your um uh, your dad and, and your uh, father-in-law and you know now you know the kids are involved now there's this next generation, uh, Brandlin and Eva, your, your your kids, Jim, your grandkids. Let's talk about that next generation. And we all know that uh, you know your your two kids, Eva, are very well entrenched in in you know being on camera and being involved. What do you guys see for you know that next generation of chalkies and and uh, when can we expect the grandkids uh, version of it? So.
2: Mine are, I mean mine are right there. We have a tree center, backyard and deer feeders, my daughter just got her first actual bow she's five and a half and she's has a very strong personality not sure where that came from but we decided that to teach her how to shoot a bow the safety elements of it I don't know that she would fully grasp it from us like I don't know if she would understand how serious we are about like if you're going to shoot a bow you need to take it seriously so we we have her in archery lessons that she's going to start just to get those basics of like this isn't actually a weapon and you have to be careful. And so she starts shooting a bow I think next week or the week after. And then she's already asked, she'll ask, she asked if um, she calls my dad, Bubba, if Bubba will take her hunting. And what really irks me is that she thinks Tim, my husband is like the hunter because since I've had her, I've basically stayed home and he's the one hunting. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, let's just look back at these magazines. I'm going to start putting and stream magazines out, They're like, let's see who's on the cover. <laughs> so yeah, my kids are my kids are getting there, and they love it. um But just my dad, as long as he doesn't get too old too fast, we're, we kind of need him.
4: Yeah, which he is. But
3: That's yeah, amazing.
2: Amazing.
4: it's a race. I admit it. <laughs> <laughs> uh Yeah, and and similar on our end. Uh, so our, so I've got a three year old and five year old too, and our son Flynn. You know, he is always asking to go fishing. He's asking to go hunting um and so you know even just uh this last weekend you know, he was landing where you catch a, a bluegill like Blue girl, know, yeah. <laughs> yeah landed it by himself reeled it right in you know cast the whole thing all by himself and all excited um and actually uh i was i so i filmed the whole thing you know he's he wants to start a little you know he's always asked me about starting like putting it all on youtube so he can show his friends and stuff so um yeah we've had uh you know my family we moved down recently to kansas city and, you know, I grew up in, in BC on the ocean, so I'm not, I wouldn't say that I'm the world's best turkey hunter or, uh, you know, like bass fisherman around here, but we definitely, you know, have, have plans here to get the the kids, you know, doing more outdoor stuff, more, more hunting, more fishing. And so I think the future looks bright for, for, uh, for both of them.
2: And their aunt Eva just sent them both their first plastic section cut bows last week. So
4: Oh, that's right. Yeah, they've been practicing it that. They're seeing how excited they were. Their From own. their
2: cousins in North Carolina.
4: Yeah. You, know, you know what the sad part is? She
3: probably sent me one, too. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. My daughter turns 10 tomorrow, and the number one thing she wants is her hunting license. She doesn't want a trip to Disneyland. She's just, Dad, I want my hunting license. So that's in her, her birthday card for tomorrow. So she's uh, been doing it since be- a lot more expensive than a trip to Disneyland in the long run. Oh yeah! Oh, absolutely, <laughs> it is. <laughs> she got a twenty-two for her fifth birthday, something like that. And yeah, she's 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 excited for it, and so am I. It's been awesome. That's
2: really cool.
1: Cool. Yeah. Uh, so, Eva and Branlin, let let's, if you don't mind, just talk a little bit about you know you 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 grew up under the umbrella of the world's most famous hunter, um, and uh, you know, kind of in you know, as young people in the shadow of Jim, but now you've gone on and created your own brands, your own, you know, your own content. Um, and you guys have, have grown your own brand. Can you talk a little bit about what that was like growing up in that? And then how, you know, the evolution of creating who you guys are.
3: Can I answer this instead of them, please? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'd love to hear I it. I want Jim. to
4: hear the truth.
2: <laughs> Go ahead, Brian.
4: Uh yeah I you know again as as kids I didn't realize really you know until I got a little bit older uh, you know what what a what a you know sort of I guess crazy you know childhood I had but crazy in like a good way like a very blessed childhood I mean by the time that I graduated high school I literally had traveled all over the world with dad because he had made sure and mom too I'm sure was a part of this but he made sure that, you know, he brought me on like several trips and like serious trips, you know, to Africa and Australia and like, I mean, all over the place. Um, And so, you know, and I, I was, you know, doing some hunting at that time too. So, I mean, I, I, you know, I think I shot a Cape Buffalo and, you know, all kinds of stuff that people, you know, literally dream hunts for people I'd done by the time I'd graduated high school and, and you know, hardly knew anything about, you know, life or, or what it takes to, you know, attain, you know, dreams like that for most people. So, uh, I was very, you know, blessed in a way and, and lucky and it took me until university to, you know, I kind of, I don't know if dad remembers, you know, I stepped a little bit away from the family stuff in university. I think Eva did too. Uh, and, you know, it, you gained some perspective on, uh, on your life compared to other people that, that, you know, at that time. And so, yeah, it was a, you know, and even, even to this day, I still You know, look back at and what we have now and and what we had back then, and I say, you know, honestly, I I had a a tremendous you know step up and a lot of different things like starting a a a TV series. A lot of people ask me like, you know, like how do you how do you get started? You know, I want I've got all these big dreams. I was like, well, you know, ideas and and ability are part of that, but also like I had a a big step up because you know, dad was dad was dad, and it was Jim Shockey. So when we say, hey, you know, let's start a, a, a TV series. And then the channel says, Oh, okay, who's doing it? Well, uh, some kid is gonna do it in his bedroom on his laptop. Uh, you know, that doesn't really get them too excited. But when you say, Oh, Jim is gonna do it, then all of a sudden, you know, th- there's your foot in the door. So uh it was uh yeah, a tremendous benefit and help for me. But also at the same time, um, you know, I think it takes a while to look back and really realize, you know, the what what you had growing up. Awesome.
1: Eva?
2: Really trying to decide which direction to take this answer.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I can leave if you want to. (laughs)
2: Um, No, I'll be good. I'll be nice about it. I agree. We didn't fully understand um, how different our lives were probably until we stepped away and realized like our upbringing was quite a bit different than most people's. Um, but what, what I took away from it, which I still do to this day a lot. Well, first of all, my dad created this huge career in life because at the end of the day, he was doing exactly what made him happy and what he was passionate about. And then he turned it into a career and he only was able to do that. Like he said, driving on the road, one direction and focusing like he, you can be passionate about things, but if you're not going to focus and work really hard at them, you probably won't get to where you're going. And so that was. Something really interesting over the last decade or so of making decisions was that absolutely my dad gave us a huge step up. He's helped a lot of people with a huge step up, honestly. So many people that have crossed paths with him have benefited from whether it's his knowledge, whether it's the career that he's given them, whether it's, um you know, connecting them with the right people. Like that's just what he does very often. But being able to, Brian and I both individually did this was we are in the outdoor industry and I think at the end of the day, you can't fake loving something for very long. You can pretend for a little bit and you can maybe like, you know, do a little wiggle room here and there, but you really have to be passionate about it when you're spending that much time doing it, if you want to do a good job. And if you want people to see you being like happy with what you're doing. So both of us took what we were given from my dad, which was incredible and the knowledge and the outdoor industry but then made it into something that was our own and like my brother said he didn't want to be this world famous hunter I didn't want to be a world famous hunter or anything like that either so it's not like we were trying to fill exactly what my dad was doing it was just the outdoor industry is so incredible and the people that are part of the outdoor industry whether it's the hobby or whether they work in it generally are just the most wonderful down to earth people and so we got to be part of that but then create our own passion and continuously follow those I guess, lessons that my dad taught us that, I mean, all I remember is how focused and how hard he was at what he did, and how well he treated everyone. And when he was at events that he gave everyone the time of the day, and he always showed up 110% for everything. So those kind of lessons is what then I take when I'm doing something or when I'm doing, you know, even if it doesn't seem as um, outdoorsy and big, it's still sharing that message with people and trying to promote essentially the same concept the same basic elements and the same basic um, things that we believe so strongly in like family and the outdoors and being healthy and well game and all that it's just you have to create your own path and then just make sure that you're true every single day that you're actually believing what you're doing and not trying to take someone else's path and copy it yeah
4: i totally agree
3: can i, can I just bring it back to evie's original statement I'll I'll try and be nice about this. I think that's what she said. (laughs) (laughs) implies that she could be not nice.
2: (laughs) There were a few different directions, but sometimes I just don't want to be too mean. Although I was going to say earlier on another note that my dad is now at the age where his father and my other grandpa, Len worked for him for free and were just there helping. And my dad does not work. Does dad work for you for free? He no. still thinks he's like the center of everything. I'm trying to tell him he's the old guy that now is supposed to come and just like be, you know, chopping wood and helping with stuff.
3: I'll work for free as long as you let me be boss of your empire.
2: Yeah. Okay. You know, not, that's not how it works. Yeah,
4: yeah we actually need – need, our kids would love if you were dressed up as Santa Claus for this Christmas, actually. You can yeah. Show yeah. up. If you need to get a <laughs> fake be- – i
2: so Yeah,
3: no doubt. I'm, I'm really busy. I can't – white work for free for my my own
4: children yet (laughs) but but actually no but seriously to add to what eva said in in all seriousness dad's ability that that he talked about eva mentioned you know to focus and to work hard at something um i mean that's it that's it that's the you know like i eva and i both had a a firsthand view of what it takes to become you know like you said quote unquote the most famous hunter in the world and it's and, and you know that that lesson is almost impossible to to you know, underemphasize. He he focuses on something and he works hard, and he accomplishes things that you know. Even me being his kid, dad started this museum. You know, a few. When did you start that museum? That was a few years ago, right? We bought the building in
3: 2015, but I envisioned yeah. it when I was 10. So. Right,
4: right, and and just so people know that this museum, which is now you know, I would say doing very well and, and very successful, it is not, it's not like it's on some great location, you know, in Orlando, Florida or something. It's in, you know, a, a tiny little town on Vancouver Island, way off the highway. Um, and through, and, and if you ever asked me back when dad started this, you know, is that, is this a good idea? I, you know, I, I honestly, I would have said, no, uh, I dad, I don't think this is going to work. You know, you don't have all the prerequisites to make this, this happen. It does, it's not a good location. Uh, the buildings all run down, you know, it's going to take a tremendous amount of work to make this, this go. And, uh, you know, now, and I talked to, with my wife about this, uh, often I'm like, you know, dad's ability to just single, just take whatever problem there is. It doesn't matter what it is. Uh, and just have a single minded, you know, focus on solving this problem and working hard on a day after day, after day, after day consistently is, uh, you know, in terms of the the one biggest lesson you know i, I take from growing up with a guy like dad i mean that's that's probably it. Yeah, you can accomplish anything if you put your mind to it and it's, it sounds cliche to say but, it, but it's true
3: the, awesome. the, the flip side the downside is that you know i i, I often forget brandon's name and <laughs> sheila's name it's just you know my own kids so this is the, <laughs> the other problem i forget about you're so focused you have to I, thank goodness for Nana Weezy to remind me no no it's bran lynn and eva that's so, <laughs> i so,
1: there's downsides to focus too awesome um let's just chat a little bit about um you know is there any vision for a uh shocky dynasty show or you guys got anything in the works where we're going to bring all like all you guys together the kids together is there anything coming down the road i know shock therapy is the latest on on jim's platform but anything else coming down collectively that we can expect from you guys
3: i'm auditioning for the role of hal in the new Hal and lynn series <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um, we actually already have the part for that. You don't need to audition for that. I don't think we've actually considered ever really spending that much time together again.
3: Yeah, it's because we can't <laughs> afford Evie's what she would charge during <laughs> day rates right. the
1: anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, awesome. So you know, I guess on that that vein, um, with with the grandkids, um, you know, they're growing up in this space and stuff like that. Um, you know, Jim. Uh, I guess you guys, you bought that place down in South Carolina. I guess the division is, you know, in a COVID free, pandemic free environment that you have the opportunity to spend more time with the grandkids and, and, uh, and spend, you know, your, I guess your, your latter years with family. Is that, is that the vision?
3: Yeah. I mean, it's North Carolina Pinehurst, actually. Right. And Sorry. I don't know if it's so much grandkids as golf, but, <laughs> but it, uh, you know, Louise, Nana Wheezy has a, a saying, uh, man plans and God laughs. So yes, that was the original plan was to be down south. So we could, you know, it's easier for Bren and Ash to get there with their boys or us to get there, you know, back and forth. There. But again, uh, man plans and, and God laughs. So it, it hasn't exactly worked out that way. I mean, we're dealing with, uh, you know, health issues not beyond the COVID issues that we had for a couple, three years. So, so, you know, the reality is, you know, every single day is precious, no matter where you are, and and your plan, you know, doesn't mean you can't appreciate every single day and every minute you have with with your loved ones. Uh, so, so we're we're working through that, sorting out the new reality, and and uh, and hopefully, um, you know, we'll help be able to spend more time with our with our grandchildren. Awesome. And children. And, children. and yeah, you have, you have children. When did that happen?
1: <laughs> and Bradley and even Eva, with um, you know, with the Louise's health and everything, you guys are you guys are spending a lot more time up here on the island too than you historically have, I guess, as well. Hey, yeah, I was
2: there for like half of last year. I haven't been there in years for more than a week or two here and there. But for a little while, we thought she might have been just tricking us, but I don't think she is.
4: <laughs> Get the family together. Uh, and also I would say quality, even if it's, I mean, we're spending more time, but also more quality time where, uh, you know, like dad said, you appreciate every, I mean, it forces you, you appreciate every, every minute, every hour, every day, every week, uh, you know, whereas before you take time like that for granted with the family. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, and on that note too, even Brandlin, you know, you guys grew up, uh, in Canada, obviously spent, you know, formative years on the Island, uh, Anything drawing you back other than family. I you know, I, I live in Victoria. Um, but uh, you know, you guys all have a life down south there now. Do you guys do you guys miss the island? Is this uh, or is it just all about family when you're coming back? Yeah, oh,
2: still out there. Yeah, they still are like half have their feet in different places. We we miss it. We miss the obviously family and friends, the just the view. I still picture that view off basically where Brand's house is, like off of the island when you're looking out at the ocean and in the mountains behind and on those like three days a year when the weather's nice there, pitching that view <laughs> that's what i miss <laughs> but yeah i don't think we'll end up making it like my family probably won't ever move back but we do love it we love coming to visit uh
4: yeah my, and my family's we we've still got plans to come back we we love it the i think the, i think vancouver island is one of the best places to live you know there is yeah maybe the weather's not all that great all the time but uh <laughs> But yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I miss the ocean, you know, the the mountains. Uh, in fact, I always get lost down here in Missouri because there's no mountains, you know, as a reference point. So, you know, I, I look around and you know, everybody else knows where east and west and south and north and all that stuff is. And I, I hardly even know where I am. Uh, probably need to learn a little bit about looking at the sun and figuring out
1: where the, <laughs> where,
4: where north is. But uh, yeah, no, we miss, we miss the island
1: need you guys to come back because we're gonna have to somebody has to look after the hand to man right so when when jim's t- had enough of that we need someone looking after I, I can imagine eva at the front counter meeting people and walking people through the uh they don't
2: probably know. wouldn't be very well educated maybe left if i was doing <laughs> the tour
4: you want to you want to check all the cash registers at the end of the day too <laughs> yeah that's the
3: truth actually we just, just on that note we uh they both just agreed to be on the board of directors of the foundation we're setting up because we're actually donating the land, the building, the contents and giving it a bunch of money so that our great grandchildren will be able to come and see the museum and everybody else's great grandchildren will be able to see it as well uh, for donation only walking in the door. So that's, uh, you know, the kids might not move back here, maybe Bran will, but, uh, but they're, they're certainly going to still have uh, one foot over here on the island going into the future because they agreed for uh, a, a tiny little stipend of zero for the rest of their lives to, to, to watch. And also, Branlin's on there to over make sure Evie doesn't have her you know, fingers in the till.
2: Okay. Uh, they're lying a, about this, just so
4: you guys know. <laughs> What's that show with Gordon Gecko?
2: American Pickers?
4: No, what's that movie?
2: Junkyard Wars.
4: No, Oh, I gotta look it up. Gordon Gekko Wars. mean Sticky Wall book. Street? Wall Street.
3: Oh, Wall Street. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. There you go. The Wolf of Wall Street. That's uh, yeah. The Wolf of Vancouver Island. Thank goodness lives in Raleigh because yeah, the,
4: there's no
2: uh, reason to around. The Hand of Man Museum actually originally was started. It was supposed to be a family like shocking museum and the original concept was that we'd have all of our mounts that all of us had hunted and it would be all like mixed in and then go try to find a mount that was hunted from anyone other than my dad <laughs> I the, dare you <laughs> all, stuffed either, in all
3: moose are there they all her moose are there all her <laughs> white-tailed deer are there you just it's just very difficult to find them among like branlins and my dads and all my animals. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, so the shot, I actually just asked the other day on the call if at some point we can, I don't know what the word is, extradite <laughs> all my mounts. And
3: yeah, I, ext- I think the ext- word ext- is. on
2: the expense of Jim Shockey, all my mounts to Raleigh, and then we'll call it even. <laughs>
3: I'll just send you a bill for the storage
1: for the last 10 years. <laughs> so let's just touch a little bit on this legacy. So hand a man is a legacy piece. It's obviously going to be there for hopefully perpetuity, but, you know, obviously, you know, Brandlin and Eva, this is important to you guys. You're on the board of directors, as Jim mentioned. So, you know, talk about that legacy and what it means to leave that for future generations, I guess. And, and, you know, the, the shocky legacy, continuing that into the future.
3: I, I mean, I guess, because I, was at the point of the spear on creating this thing. It, you know, if I, if I, when I uh, pass away, I would like people to say that I made a positive difference on the perspective of what hunters and what hunting is about with a non-hunting public. And and I think because the it's the Hand of Man Museum of Natural History, Cultural Arts and Conservation, uh, the museum actually speaks to what hunting actually is all about, not just to kill. It's a, you know, that's what we get vilified and marginalized in the popular press. You know, that's all we care about. We're, you know, we're louts that spit on the floor, no higher sensibilities. The museum is, you know, 999 people out of a thousand come through and love it. I and mean, we'll have 20 over 25,000 visitors this year to the museum. Wow. And, and it's, it's, it's truly is a hunting gathering, you know, about that museum Um, and, and so it's, you know, that, that's part of it, but it's not even the hunting. I think it's, um, you know, it's telling the truth. The museum tells the truth. We're not handcuffed by political correctness. We don't have to be woke in our museum. It's a private museum. There's no government funding in there. And, uh, you know, I, I just would like to know that somewhere, someplace, somebody can see the truth about what we are right here on the screen—that what we are—that are listening to this, watching this, and and, and not just for a small little you know, television show and then gone, but but any single day of the year, it's open 365 days a year. You can come in and and see the truth about what we are. You know, we we've been it's been done such a disservice to to us as as uh, hunters and uh, naturalists, and, and this museum is meant to go into the future decades and hopefully sets an example inspires other people to do the same thing in other communities. It's not that hard if you just do it and don't care about dying with a pot full of money in your hands or giving it to your kids. I mean, who would care about that? (laughs) So, So, so I, you know, I, to me, I think it, you know, from those according to their ability to those according to their need, that's Karl Marx, by the way, don't tell anybody I quoted him, but, but we can, so we should, and we are, and that's what the museum is, uh, for us,
1: yeah. the, uh, it's meant to tell the truth. Awesome, any thoughts on that, Brandon or Eva?
2: Yeah, it's just nice knowing that, I mean, all those years and trips and money and time and energy that he spent on you know, his career and the experiences that he got to have that arguably no one else in the world will ever have because so many of those things have been shut down now and will probably continue to be so. It's nice that that was for more than just his purpose, our purpose, you know, the TV show's purpose. It'll be for way after all of us are gone and the TV show doesn't matter. And all those experiences, people will get to continue to see them that no one would ever have a chance to do it. It really is incredible when you think of the big picture of how much he's done. And that, you know, you can't just go repeat it. No one can. (laughs) So that you can go to the museum and at least get the next best thing to it. And it's cool because in combination with the museum and his tv show he's joined them together so you go and there's video footage that's incredible video footage it's not like boring museum footage it's really entertaining production value footage that you can watch while you're looking at the museum items and it's just it's all this intertwined like incredible experiences with the people i'm with brand that i can't say that I thought I was going to be super successful but um when he tells me the numbers of people that go in there a day I am just in absolute I mean shock but at the same time if you in hindsight you know if my dad's gonna head something up you know it's gonna work out even if it seems insane
4: <laughs> yeah yeah and we're in a you know I think dad said it really elegantly he talks about higher sensibilities and and um that really is who, who dad is you know you, you go through uh if you show up dad's doorstep and think you're you know you're you're walking into his office and you're going to see a bunch of hunting stuff I mean you can see in the background that's that's not what it is that's part of it we look at his bookshelf and you know he'll have Tolstoy and Anne Rand and Karl Marx sitting on the on the uh on his bookshelf you know he's there's far more than just a hunter there and for the the museum um you know nowadays it's funny with the we've got so much um, recorded content now, right? Uh, you know, you can turn on the TV and at any given time, you're gonna see whoever, actors, whatever, you know, people that have passed away long ago and, and they're gonna be, they look like they're, you know, full color, just like you could have, you know, you'd see anybody nowadays. And, uh, you know, people, people, unfortunately, it's true for all of us, We we, we eventually move on, but ideas can stay forever or they can stay for a long period of time. That's where you guys are talking about legacy, but um, you know, what dad's saying, you know, telling the truth and and showing, you know, these quote unquote ideas to people uh, that can live on, you know, for generations. And and like dad says, true. My kids talk all the time about uh, you know, how much they love the museum and I'm sure hopefully if this works out uh, and this idea, you know, lasts uh, you know, their kids and their kids and their kids these these ideas like this they they can you know last into you know as, as far as we can sort of make them last like a yeah a legacy
1: that's awesome Brandlin. and i think on that note i think we can i know jim and eva you guys both have appointments now you got to run to and Branlin as well so you know i just want to say from our outdoor space our hunting community that the shockey family walks the walk and talks the talk. And, you know, Dave Judson from Ladysmith, the Ladysmith Sportsman Club, has said to me time and time again how much the Shockey's family has done for Ladysmith, for conservation, for hunting. And uh, I don't, you know, I just can't say enough about all you guys, all you continue to do day in and day out. So thank you for creating what you've created. Thank you for the legacy of the Shockey family. And thank you for joining us on Talk is Sheep today. We really appreciate it.
3: Oh, it's an honor.
2: Thanks for it's having nice. us. Thank we you. It this is the awesome. first time we've ever done a podcast with all three of us and four mm-hmm. if you count. Nana all
1: four. We wanted oh, Nana yeah. Weezy so bad. <laughs> it's it's was first time out. in history. Steve <laughs> and I are like, oh my goodness, this uh, hit the jackpot. So thank you all so much. Awesome. No, exactly.
2: Thank you. So much.